We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. <laughs> Suck it, Toronto. To think that, that a season is championship or championship is, is um, certainly the way we've approached it. To the Miami Heat fans, it was, uh, you're despicable people, and I hope I never hear from you again. Milwaukee, we dogs! James Harden is a massive choker, and he is a bum. Bum. Finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Karma. Karma, bitch. Chris, you did it, huh? Welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 127. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of BrewHoop.com, joined as per usual by my fellow Brew Hoop friends, Kyle Carr and Riley Feldman. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? We're doing very good. Uh, heavy hearts tonight with uh, Coach Satan coming back to Milwaukee and getting a win over us. Uh, but outside of that, I've had a good weekend, big sports weekend for me. I went over to a friend's house yesterday. To watch the Wild play the Carolina Hurricanes and saw Mark Andre Fleury put on a god tier goalie um, performance. I think they traded for him a couple weeks ago, so he had a really good performance. I don't watch a lot of hockey, but they're big Wild fans, so uh, I indulged them. And then saw the Dynamo, Houston Dynamo win. I saw Giannis ascend the mountaintop. I saw a lot of good stuff this weekend. So and the weather was okay for most of the weekend too. So I've, I'm pretty good. I can't say the same about the weather. It snowed basically all of Saturday and it sucked. Um, Friday I was at the game. We'll talk about that. So that was great. Uh, Saturday. Well, okay. Liverpool won. So that was fine. And then Ford Madison had their season opener and they drew. So that was, that was fine. I also went to a one-year-old's birthday party. That's the first time I've had to do that. It basically is just letting your kids run around and crawl around doing whatever they want as you try and talk to your parents and hope that your kid does not try and crawl up the stairs. <laughs> Good times. Good times. So it's pretty similar weekends in that respect. Um, what did I do? I watched watched a lot of college basketball, which is not the easiest thing to watch, but I'm proud of uh, my, my wife is a USC, USC, the real USC, University of South Carolina Gamecock alone, so <laughs> glad to see that uh, that they are ahead right now against UConn in the championship game. So I guess that's the team I'm rooting for. I did watch the final four games. They were fine. I always just forget how awful the officiating is <laughs> in the NCAA. It's like truly almost impossible to watch. I'm okay. I was I was okay with Coach K losing. That was great. And then <laughs> in the other game, I had Kansas winning all my brackets. So therefore, Ooh. I am looking pretty good right now. Um, I've already clinched first place in one bracket group. I got one more and I can finish second, which I'll take considering how disastrous my first weekend was. Kyle, can I ask you a question? Did you watch Duke UNC? Did you watch the game? Yes. Okay. I was going to ask because it would be you're hating on Coach K, the, the retweet of your favorite Coach K moment, and your retweet was when he lost his last game. And I, I was just hoping you didn't actually watch the game, which would have taken your hating to a new level. So. No, I I was I watched the second half, so I was splitting between that and WrestleMania. I was kind of split screening it. So okay. the phone had one game, and then WrestleMania was on the tablet. Okay, very good. 
Oh, beautiful. Well, speaking of uh, some haterade, the Bucks dumped quite a bit on the Philadelphia 76ers last week with a 118-116 win. Really put it to Joel Embiid. I could not think of a more fitting ending than Giannis Antetokounmpo blocking Joel Embiid to uh, to win the game. It was it was truly a delightful game. I was very bummed I couldn't be there in person. I was there a few years ago for his like 45-point Giannis performance, which was best game I've ever seen in person. So Giannis has 40 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. He's 16-24 from the floor, three blocks. I, it was just an incredible game from him. Decent, obviously good showing out from the supporting cast as well. Drew, 18 points, 10 assists. Chris, 22 points. Brooke, 17 points. But uh, the major note here, of course, is is Giannis, Kyle. And, and this was like sort of the first stepping stone as we saw this past week as he vaulted himself back into back into the MVP conversation. But it was, it was all about Giannis on Tuesday night. Yeah, it was great because Milwaukee just could not get anything going. It felt like in the first like the first quarter was fine, but Giannis was fine. Everyone else was garbage. And then it got to the second quarter, and for some reason, things just bottomed out. Philly was getting whatever they wanted. There were some dumb free throws. Harden and Bede had a pick and roll. That was just frustrating. And then it got to the third quarter. And it's like, okay, Milwaukee can just slowly make their way back into it. Don't do dumb shit, and you'll be fine. They were still doing it, but at least they were able to get it back to somewhat respectable. And then the fourth quarter happened, and all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, all this stuff that wasn't going Milwaukee's way was going Milwaukee's way in the fourth. Giannis decided to take over. Giannis pretty much was saying, I'm going to win this game on my own. And the block, it, it felt very fitting that to try and tie the game, James Harden misses a game-tying shot, badly misses it, only for Joel Embiid, who probably could have easily dunked it, tried doing this layup, and Giannis just comes out of nowhere and blocks him. The fact that they called it goaltending was pissing me off. I was screaming like there is absolutely no way, and thankfully they reviewed it and it got overturned, rightfully. But that just seemed like a very fitting end to this game, and not only to this, but all the narratives that went with it. James Harden choking in the clutch like he always does. Giannis showing that he is the best player and Embiid, yes, he you look at the stats and it's fine, but he's also not really a winning player. So all those all those narratives coming in, it felt poetic and the, in the fact that this was probably like this could have been the highlight of the week for Giannis and the fact that he was able to top it, possibly top it the next game is shocking in its own right, but it's also just showing that when Giannis decides to take over games, like he's what third in scoring and he, a lot of the times he's not playing that many minutes. Imagine if he did play, you know, 36, 37, 38 minutes. He would have easily passed uh, LeBron and Embiid for points per game, and he doesn't need a hack whistle like Embiid gets. What was most impressive about this one was, like, the execution in the fourth quarter. So, like Kyle said, first quarter, really, like, decent. Giannis was throwing himself around. They didn't have any defense. It's so funny, like, again, yet another example of a team of they have, in this case, Embiid, in theory has the size to stop Giannis, but Giannis would just like run past him. It's like, man, Embiid's kind of slow, huh? <laughs> like an open court. If it, the way it would go is like Giannis would be open court. He would just run past Joel Embiid and then be like, Danny Green, are you willing to get in there in the paint and die for the team to stop this one possession from Giannis? And usually the answer was no. Um, so Giannis obviously acknowledging his strength in that regard. In the fourth quarter of the final closing minutes, I was really impressed by the execution of the team. Some of the defensive possessions, uh, part of it is 
Joel and James Harden are very ball hoggy and there's just like things get bogged down. It's been a while since I saw an offense this bogged down than this one. Um, probably since the last time I watched the Brooklyn Nets with James Harden out there, but they would just do like buddy ball a lot. And Drew and Brooke Lopez in particular had that dialed in pretty well. We did this strategy most of the game where Wes Matthews covered James Harden for the most part, just like be a pass, be getting his way, make him work for it. And then in the closing couple of possessions, like, okay, Drew is the guy. Now you work with Brooke on this pick and roll, which is what the Sixers keep spamming over and over again to pretty large degree of success. But in the final couple possessions, they throw it off where they get like a switch and drew gets like, he has to guard man guard Joel and beat out on the perimeter and Joel and beat like backs him down twice and then throws the ball. out of bounds. It was really, I mean, super mystifying. And then the, I think second to last position that the Sixers had, um, it, it came out of a timeout and they just tried to do again, a two man game. I think, either in beat or hard and passed into the other guy and they passed right back, did like a pick and roll, like just to see what happens. Brooks switched and was able to stifle Harden. I think it was either a turnover or a bad shot. I can't quite remember, but like the defense was really good for Milwaukee. And then uh, obviously uh, Giannis on the other end, um, he was, he was dominant. Drew was quite good in this game. I think he had 10 assists. So creating for some guys. And then that final possession, um, the turn, the block uh, to force it. And then because the refs messed up, they had to move the ball to midcourt and then <laughs> they lost it on a tip or uh, the, you know, midcourt tip off, which is hilarious. So I, I was just really impressed by the intensity the team showed because um, the second and third quarters were kind of lackadaisical. I think we won the third quarter by two points, but it wasn't anything to write home about. And second quarter, just the threes stopped falling. We just kind of looked out of sorts. So I, I was just glad to see us dial it back up again and then show that sort of top tier defense that we're capable of, though, with a caveat of, this is about as one way in offense as you get in the league. It seems like uh, when it comes down to the end for the Sixers. So, uh, well, yeah. it was the fact Good. that Giannis went on like what was it like a fifteen or whatever point run like on his own? It was just like okay, between like the third and fourth quarter, like Giannis basically decided I'll I'll do all this stuff. Uh, don't worry, guys. Let just give me the ball. I'll handle it. And. Not only was it Embiid, I don't know why Philly thought throwing out Paul Millsap was a good idea. Um, no, it's kind of like LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, no, you you, you should just retire. You're not going to do it. I don't know if that's what your plan is for backup big to guard Giannis. You might as well just let Milwaukee go on to it because that's just a terrible idea. I So it was kind of funny just seeing no matter who Philly threw at Giannis, it was either Giannis is too strong for them, Giannis is too quick for them, a combo of the two, Giannis is simply better. It was... It was just kind of funny just seeing, like, watching Paul. It was definitely mean. It was like watching Luka Doncic on West Matthews today. It was like, this This should not have happened. I think somebody tweeted there was a stat where Millsap was registered as the, the quote, primary defender on Giannis for two game minutes, and Giannis scored, like, 15 points in those two minutes, like, or something, something really crazy like that. It was not good for them at all. Yeah, there was that stretch. I mean, I think it was the stretch of the end of the third <clears throat> into the fourth where Giannis really went on that spree. And not, not only that, but Doc also, Doc Rivers, coach of the 76ers, decided to start the fourth, which is, I guess it's part <laughs> yeah. of the, part of the you know, his whatever staggering minutes. But he decided to start this fourth without James Harden or Joel Embiid out there while the Bucks just had their big three out there and proceeded to basically take the lead and completely switch the momentum of the game going forward while like Tobias Harris feebly tried to score on the other end. Like that, that was just completely baffling to me. The, the defense was interesting because 
you also saw you saw them show doubles. You saw them show help shading towards Harden and Embiid a lot of the game. But everyone on the other ends of the defensive string were so much more taut than I think we've seen all season from them. Like anytime they've they've sort of they've been working on the hard hedging, they've been working on the being able to show and recover almost all season. And I think it's looked pretty bad almost all year. But I thought that the Philly game was the first time where I thought it actually looked like people were communicating and connecting. And there were still times where they gave up shots, but I, th- I thought it looked pretty good there. And you kind of contrast that with, say, earlier in the year when they were like showing doubles on Nikola Jokic, who is a better passer than Embiid, for sure. Better player than Embiid, for sure. But the Bucks just got carved up, lost by like 30. I thought the defensive communication connection was was significantly better in this game uh, com- compared to what we've seen in the past. Yeah, I think it was a lot of it was just more. It was definitely a different. It felt like they were going in with the intent of, OK, we're going to. We're legitimately going to try. We're going to try and make sure to blitz with the pick and roll. We're going to try and make sure that whoever is the ball handler, we're going to go after them. Basically, it was kind of a, we know Harden and Embiid are going to be the two guys. And if someone else beats us, then fine. If Tobias Harris wants to take all those shots, okay, totally fine. I would also want Tobias Harris to take all those shots because that's a great option. But, you know, it, it it is a guy like, you know, Tybal or Maxi, like those guys can definitely hurt Milwaukee, but it, it didn't happen this time. And I think a lot of it is just because Milwaukee was keying in on Harden and Embiid and just kind of saying, we're not going to let you two beat us. This was also the first game where Brooke Lopez being back was like, wow, this is just in the terms of like matchup size wise. Uh, I think Embiid started the game one of eight from the floor. A lot of that was just simply Brooke Lopez being an equally large man. And I was thinking it was like, what if we had to go out here? We still only had Bobby Portis or because who I think racked up like three fouls in three minutes or whatever, (laughs) or Serge Ibaka, who has been good, but you can just tell there's like just a size difference between the two guys. Like, obviously, Serge could rip me in half, no problem. Um, but he's just not as thick as Brooke Lopez. And that matters when trying to stay in front of a guy like Embiid or like just even knock him off his course a little bit. Um, I don't know what their historical matchups are, but I was just really glad that Brooke Lopez came in and had such a good performance. And not only did he have to like contest and like throw off Embiid's rhythm, but to take Embiid sort of out of the play a little bit. It's not like Embiid's a preternatural rebounder, but he's obviously one of the biggest guys on the floor. Um, and Giannis was able to get a lot of the rebounds up without too much trouble because Brooke was out there sacrificing. So that if there was going to be like a third guy that I wanted to give a shout out to, it would be Brooke Lopez, because this is the kind of matchup that he is specifically there for. And even though Embiid had good numbers, uh, he had to work to get there eventually. I think Brooke being out there helps a lot in that regard. Well, also touching Embiid means that he ends up on the floor, and yeah, that. How does how does he not get hurt way more? I know he's like has an art to falling down. It's very not fun to watch. Here now, let's skip right to the good stuff. Uh, Adam, Streets of Philly, uh, they Mm -hmm. lose. They lose one eighteen, one eight sixteen. We have reports that. Uh, some players are, quote, not down with Doc Rivers. I wonder who that could be, who's leading that charge. Uh, have people already turned on James Harden? Because it's it's not a lot. He's not fun to watch for anybody. Uh, neither is, honestly, neither is Joel Embiid. Um, so how are they feeling now that his MVP campaign is up in smoke? How are the Sixers fans dealing with it right now? It's re- it's really good. I, <laughs> I, I, I did solid journalism this time, so I, I didn't just want to go 
one source. I wanted to go a couple sources for like you guys. Like two. You wanted to go yes. two sources. I, I literally only have two. So I, I did the bare <laughs> minimum. But so one source says, I want Doc gone in the worst way. We absolutely need to have him fired. He needs to leave out, leave here immediately. Another source who has, you know, a little less tepid in his take said, I, I'm not surprised. Like James Harden is awful. Of course, he's a choke artist. Like I, I want him gone so badly. I'm just praying to God he leaves and we can get Beal in the off season. <laughs> so they've, they're already sort of moving their mind towards someone else. They're already expecting the Harden choke job. So they got to see it in action. I, I'm not, I, I'm not sure if they knew in their heart of hearts that that's what was going to happen before he airballed that three, but I really think oh, they, had to, know. they had to, they had to. I don't know, man. There's so tradition out here. I, it's crazy. <laughs> I, they, they, but hopefully that opens some of their their third eyes. And and so now, yes, James Harden is an official choke artist out here. Uh, Doc Rivers is going to be gone, um, and of course they're getting Bradley Beal. Yeah. How long? How long until the local sports section is doing a picture of James Harden in a trash bin going down a river over a <laughs> cliffside or whatever? Is that coming? It, I mean. Literally, the playoffs is all it's going to take. I mean, they, they're going to absolutely <laughs> choke, and we all know it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good out here. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Okay, good. Good for them. Thank you, Sixers fans. All right, so <laughs> with, there's there's some other interesting stuff from this game, which we'll talk about sort of in through lines throughout the whole week. Uh, Wes Matthews, this is the first game he moved into the starting lineup. We'll kind of talk about that in broader strokes a little bit later on. Bobby Portis, only 13 minutes. George Hill, just eight. We kind of saw a different rotation that night, a much shorter rotation from from Bud, which we'll talk about later. But um, the next game that week was obviously a game that may have lived up, maybe was even better, actually, than the Sixers game. Bucks 120, Nets 119 in overtime. Giannis, an absolutely masterful 44 points, 14 rebounds, 6 assists, 14 of 21 from the field, 15 of 19 from the free throw line. Hits the step back three in the final seconds of regulation to tie it and also push him past Kareem to be the Bucks' all-time scoring leader. Lots of discussion after this game. Riley, you read you wrote uh, what I would say is the the definitive piece on Giannis in the wake of that that accomplishment. What did you think of of him? Not just for what it, in that game itself, but also maybe what it means for for the franchise and, and him as a player too. I thought he was okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, he obviously, obviously, he's a stellar player. Uh, peak. Peak Giannis, the storybook ride we've been on for years now that uh, the way that he passes Kareem is not just him dunking, not him like open court or whatever. It's off a busted play with like the one skill that everybody is like, he's never going to be able to make threes. And as we've talked about in this podcast, I'm like, if you make a three, you can shoot another. If you miss the first one, you're going to shoot anymore. He has this busted play. He knows he's like, <laughs> team needs a three he's like i'll take the three sure he takes like a step back and then he makes it i mean it's just insane and then i think um i think is it rohan kadi uh he he tweeted he was like look at this image of brooke lopez shaking josh oppenheimer's hand after Giannis like scored <laughs> like you know it's just this everything about it, it was the storybook moments um it, like the run that he went on to bring the team back into it again, it's keying up. Like we've seen so many different teams. Like uh, they just don't have the personnel to Garianas. Brooklyn for sure. doesn't have the personnel and it, it's never been a problem with Giannis of like, Oh, he needs to like recognize when there's a mismatch. Like Chris sometimes would be like, does he recognize the mismatch? And then does he take advantage? Like, will he take advantage of it? You never have to worry about it with Giannis these days. And 
what's different about it now is like he's way more efficient his body control is at like a whole different level he understands his offense he has the three ball that he can go to on occasion i still would rather be like kind of one of his later (laughs) options that he does but if he has it sure go for it i guess um it a great on both ends. Like this is just the quintessential where Giannis is at. Uh, I thought all the praise that he got from me, everybody else on the site. And whereas like four days before, um, I think Bert Snipes on a fan post is like, Giannis is in the, isn't in the MVP race and that's okay. And literally after two games, Giannis is like, everybody's like, you know, there's probably a chance he is like the actual MVP. That's a testament to the number of game changing plays he's able to make on both ends. That's, you know, and yes, it helps they're on big stages against contenders and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, he got it done when the team needed him. Chris goes out after getting a flagrant foul. Um, it's like, okay, uh, we're down. I think, I don't know how many are down, but I think Brooklyn just got done with like a big, like 10 plus point run. It's like, what are we going to do? Giannis brings him right back and is the one who caps it at the end. So, um, you know, I, I don't think it could have happened in a more Giannis way like it just it it fits incongruously it fits with the rest of his story like of course it's the skill that was his weakest that he's worked at so much that he goes in ties the game and the team goes on to win it like it's just you know it's perfect obviously it also just made me laugh because it was one of those busted plays where you had plenty of time on the shot clock you didn't need to do that it was it was kind of reminded me of when at the end of game five with the steal and alley but it's like okay Cool, you did. You didn't. Oh, why are you doing it? Oh, okay, okay. And then <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, yeah, yes. it was definitely bad. And like, obviously, I'm swearing a lot more, but I'm not going to do that on the pod. But it was, <laughs> it just made me laugh because it was like, okay, Drew does a good job, gets the ball to Giannis. Giannis, you know, launches it to tries getting it to Pat. Good idea, good plan. Get it to Pat Connaughton. Good shooter. And obviously, it just doesn't work that way. And Pat gets it, gives it back to Giannis. And then you're thinking, okay, maybe they'll try and like get something else set up. Because again, you still have like fifth, like 17, 18 seconds. <laughs> and then it was just like, nope, I'm just gonna do the step back three. And I was like, what are you? What? Okay. <laughs> Nine out of ten times that probably doesn't go in, but damn it, that one time was pretty great. <laughs> and everything like going into that. I mean, Middleton getting ejected on a soft flagrant two was ridiculous. And when him and Giannis were sitting, like, that didn't help. Drew Holiday, see, I don't know what it is with Drew Holiday in Brooklyn, but he is definitely mastering the, he's going to hit a timely three, and then I'm wondering what else he's going to do the rest of the game, but he's going to hit a timely three. And all of that goes, and you get the nine, you, you're only down nine, you go on this run, you tie it, and then you go into overtime and kind of decide to take the game right then and there from them. It was... It was just funny, though, with Giannis, because it's like everything like at this point, there's nothing this guy can't do. Like, I don't know. He is unguardable. Like, and I think we've seen that before, but this is just a prime example of, you know, a a good friend I do over at Liberty Balls was just like, wait, if he can do this, then it's a wrap. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, I thought him just making free throws is going to be a wrap. But if he's just going to hit step back threes in the clutch. I don't know what you do about You, you. You can't do anything. And the fact that it's this that everyone's been wanting to do it and it's this exact type of shot that he was probably the last person on the court that you want taking that shot and he is able to do it just shows that how much he believes in himself how much the team believes in him and just how much everyone else is doubting him at their own peril 
you know everybody in the arena their hearts had to have just gone out they're like really it had to have been it was this dude who hits the, the stupid three-pointer of course it is and every bucks fan was like no not Giannis." <laughs> so absolutely as soon as it goes down total 180 switch on the uh who was feeling up who was feeling down after that so that's the beauty of it when you're like when you're a really great player you've had a really good game and then you do a play like that you're like that's the way you cap it i like cap it like back-to-back games cap it on the defensive end against philly offensive end against brooklyn like you know it's just it's perfect it was a great week for him those two games at least were a good week for him uh yeah we're calling it because he didn't play in the in front the next day yeah. but yeah. it was it's just more the fact again no one can guard him it doesn't matter who brooklyn threw out there there is nobody that's going to be able to do it i it's just, it, I think that's like the epitome of it. Like he can do whatever he wants when he is on a roll and you're not triple teaming him. He's going to do whatever he wants to. It is. It's such a pleasure. I mean, it's a, it's a privilege. We are so fortunate that, to get to watch someone of this, of this level. I, I, I was very honestly, truthfully, very doubtful that he would just sort of keep improving. Still very dubious of the three point skill, but like his free throw shooting is been more reliable this year it's been better he said it would get better it's taken like three years but it's been better so far he has a mid-range shooter i like i sort of assume they're gonna go in sometimes which was never the case before he can just sort of come up and get his own shot as a mid-range shooter which was not something he was doing before and now is all of a sudden like a pretty reliable weapon in his arsenal the guy just somehow keeps getting better and better the best part of that final play is that he, he was absolutely on the knife's edge like he it's a bad shot, just analytical-wise, terrible shot for Giannis to take a step back. Through Again, the out of all the players on the court, because it was Giannis, Bobby, <laughs> Drew, Pat, Grayson Allen, like, out of all those guys, Giannis should not be the one taking that shot. You know John Horse was at home, and he literally just passed out on the couch. He saw Giannis step back, and he just went, uh. <laughs> he just, and then his, somebody had to throw water in his face to make him come to, like, Giannis hit it. He's like, that's not what the analytics say. Not, Don't not, do that. Not just that he hit it, but also that he already has eight turnovers in the game, and he basically should have had nine if it weren't for mm-hmm. Seth Curry's like tiny hands or whatever, not able to grab the ball on a deflection. Like, just an absolutely insane game for them to to come back from from whatever whatever it was nine or ten down in the final three minutes after Chris is ejected for the flagrant two. So you would presume they're kind of dejected. Bud doesn't have his like normal people in there. He's got Bobby Portis in there at the end of the game. He's got Grayson Allen in there at the end of the game, two people that you would sort of assume Brooklyn is going to be able to target defensively. And frankly, they weren't able to do that. I think they kind of, this is something I think Brooklyn continues to do is they just get, they get so focused on like, all right, I'm going to just come up. I'm Kyrie Irving. I have the ball. I'm going to make something happen real quickly. I'm Kevin Durant. I have the ball. I'm going to, I'm going to go up and get my own shot. And they're like not taking the time to diagnose and, and see like, oh, there's two really poor defenders out. Poss- not really poor. Two suspect defenders out there for Milwaukee. Let's take the time to really put them through some actions and force them to have to defend really hard for several minutes. But instead, you know, they, they, held, they hold their own. I thought Grayson Allen did, did pretty well. I thought Bobby Portis did pretty well as well. So, I mean, just kudos to, to Giannis, of course, and then everyone else on the, on the Bucks team who was able to pull that one through out in Brooklyn. This was like the two similarities between Philly and Brooklyn is because of the way their stars work, uh, very one dimensional, it seems when it comes down to the end of it. And it's got to be so hard as a role player to be like, 
you know, okay, I'm out here with Kyrie and Kevin Durant or James Harden, Joel Embiid, and they're looking for their own shot. And like on the occasion they pass it to you, you better hope you make it or you're not going to see the ball for like another 12 minutes easily. And for the Bucks, that's such an easier thing to defend. Like Drew Holiday, uh, you know, he's not as necessarily as quick, but he's got enough quickness where it's like, okay, all you have to do is just like ball denial on Kyrie. And I think the final closing minutes, like Drew, I don't think Kyrie got anything going at all. Like he maybe, I think he missed a shot, had a turnover and just didn't do anything else. Like when Drew turns it up and the, everybody, literally everybody on both teams knows Kevin Durant is the kind of guy who obviously extremely skilled, but he has this thing where he, it's not a, like a hero complex, but he he's the guy he's like, I'm going to take the shot. Like that's just his thing. Like what an easy def- relatively easy defense to be like, we can just ignore literally four fifths of the team. And so long as like somebody West kind of stays in front of them and we can get a help defender at the last second to him or whatever, like that's as good of an outcome as you could hope for for most teams. Cause then like you said, Adam, for suspect defenders, you don't even have to really worry about that all that much. Like just stay home on your guy. Uh, if you get in position to kind of help out and jam, Kevin Durant a little bit great otherwise don't worry too much about it like it it makes our lives so much easier and so it makes it a little bit hard to diagnose like how good is our defense versus how awfully one-dimensional it is and it's just that's going to be a problem for Brooklyn I could like if I envision a series against them I envision like us winning two games uh, a third game Kyrie and Kevin Durant like oh we're going to get everybody there's going to be quotes in between say we're going to get everybody involved they have one half where they do that and then they go right back to what they were doing. Cause that's just how these kind of teams work. Like it happens a lot of the time where it's like, I'm just going to go back and do my thing. Um, so that's going to be a problem for them. And that's why I feel a little more confident. Like we have a little bit of my turn, your turn on occasion on our team, but for the most part, it's a lot more like of a holistic offensive look as to how we get our looks at the basket. Well, it's kind of funny. Cause I mean, you know, and we saw it on today against the Mavericks. It is one of those where if you are not, Paying to, like Bruce Brown was the only guy that was able to do anything else outside of Kyrie and Katie, which again, I think that plays into Milwaukee's strength when they only need to focus on one or two guys. And then it's kind of more of a if someone else beats us, it's frustrating, but we can live with that because the odds of that happening are going to be lower than what Kate if Katie were to go off or if Kyrie were to go off. And Milwaukee also continuously again. I don't know what it is with playing Brooklyn, but they just seem to play the sloppiest basketball because I think they had like, what, 20 something. They had another like 20 something turnover game, just like the last time these two teams played in Milwaukee. The Bucks probably should have won and ended up turning it over like 26 times. So it, it is kind of one of those where if the Bucks just simply clean it up on offense, they can roll past Brooklyn because Brooklyn defensively cannot cope. They can't guard Giannis if Chris Middleton's playing okay he did not play okay on this game if Chris Middleton and Drew played pretty well and you still have someone like Bobby you have someone like Brooke Lopez who didn't even play that much Budenholzer kind of went more with Bobby at the towards the end of the game you have a guy like Pat Connaughton who can definitely hit you know three or four threes in a game and someone like Grayson Allen it's just one of those where if Milwaukee just doesn't shoot itself in the foot with turnovers they can easily steamroll this Brooklyn Nets team who is going to be in the playing game. And that's, I think the funniest part. So now in order for Brooklyn to make the playoffs, they now have to win it. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I was going to, the other thing I was going to say is, so they, yeah, Brooklyn, like you said, Kyle, 20 turnovers for the Bucks. Brooklyn shoots 
what is it? 18 of 37 from three. So 48%, which is crazy. Bucks shoot only 29.3%. It, it kind of had, it had all the hallmarks of what sort of game one and game two of that series last year felt like. But the difference was Giannis is the player that he basically was after game two of that series through the rest of the playoffs and on. Like if you go back and watch, he was not very good in those first two games. And Chris Middleton obviously wasn't very good. And like Drew Holiday was offensively, Drew Holiday was, Drew Holiday, he tried yeah. to kill. He tried to kill me in, the, in that <laughs> yes. series. He tried to kill me. It was it was very brutal. But the, I mean, the difference you could just see it here is Giannis is just straight up a, a different player than he basically was. That is like sort of the line of demarcation that we're probably going to be able to use. Is is from then on he was a different player, more confident, not trying to force stuff quite as much, feeling feeling like understanding the game on a level that was that was significantly better than what we saw before. And that's why they were able to win this game, whereas before they might have just got blown out and and had to you know just suffer the consequences. So it was amazing. It was amazing. Do I was it really I, was <laughs> I was wondering about this too. Do you guys do you guys feel any sort of disdain for Bruce Brown? I'm starting to have him kind of tick up on my my hating scale for books, but I wasn't sure if he's like too obscure to even have him on my on my meter. He's not Andrew Nutton. Nettle to our Andrew levels of hate. <laughs> I, I think he, it's more of a he's just very annoying. Yeah, not I don't necessarily hate him. He's just annoying. That's a better word. I I I hate respect him because I thought for sure he was going to be the uh, like spin the wheel. Guess which role player guy is going to kill you this series? Because last year he kept making shots. Garbo jumpers out the yin yang, like just try hard effort stuff. I was like, we're gonna, we're going to die to Bruce Brown. I can't believe I'm gonna look back and be like, Bruce Brown was the guy who came up and ended our season. Um, so, and at the start of this year, like I think Nash benched him. I was like, I don't know, I don't watch a lot of Nets games, but he seemed pretty good against us. Like, was he really that bad? So, uh, very annoying guy. I, I hate respect him. Uh, you, you definitely need for for their roster. They need dudes who are gonna like try hard, and he's like one of the only guys who does. So good for him, I guess. It, also, it helps that you know he didn't milk the living crap out of him getting the flagrant, uh, and the fans didn't milk the crap out of it on like some players and teams and coaches. So uh, I'll give him begrudging respect for that. Okay, fair points. Thank you. I needed that sort of just to, to check that there. So. Fantastic game against the Nets. The next game, the Bucks lost to the Clippers, one fifty three to one nineteen. Um, Kyle, you were in the building. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was. I wasn't planning on going. Like, I I got a text at noon on Friday afternoon from one of my friends. He's like, "Hey, I have a ticket to the Bucks game. Do you want to go? It's gonna be me and like one of my buddies from my old job." And I was like. Yeah, let me double like let me double check. Like, let me check with Emma, make sure we're not doing something. I asked her and she's like, Yeah, it's fine. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm in. And then like five minutes later, the text from the Bucks comes out. It's like uh injury report. Giannis out, Drew out, Chris out, Brooke out, uh DeAndre Beverly out. I was like, What the hell? Like, I'm still gonna go because it's free tickets. And they were really nice tickets. Like it was in the lower level, like kind of in the corner by the Bucks bench it was maybe 16 it was like row 16 like it was they were very nice seats so I was very happy where the seats were but it was definitely it, it was kind of funny because at first everyone's like yeah okay it, you could definitely tell this game was a the Clippers don't care the Bucks don't care we're just everyone's just here to have a good time 
the halftime show was the J.K. Lee uh, Taekwondo. That was, you know, it's okay. Like seeing the kids like break a piece of wood is pretty cool. But when you're seeing like 70 year old people, it's like, okay, that's fine. But like, this is not interesting. This is not entertaining. <laughs> um, first quarter was great. You know, first quarter is fine. Like it was a good offensive effort. Bobby definitely was shrugging off his slump. He was able to get some quick points. Jordan War was able to get some quick points. It, the offense was definitely doing very, very well. And it was humming along perfectly fine. Defensively, they were a train wreck, but whatever you and I felt like, OK, for both sides, maybe it's going to be one of these teams is going to tail off. Like there's no way both teams like can both teams keep going with this offensive pace. Sure. I'm entertained again. I'm two or three beers in already. Like we're good in the first quarter for and then the second quarter is kind of the same way. I'm having a good time. I'm getting I got uh, Gold's Chicken. That was, you know, got the Buffalo chicken tenders and fries. Great. That's a bargain meal. Compared to what the rest of the arena offers, that is a great option for a meal if you decide to buy food. Don't. But if you have to, do it. Um, the $12 Miller High Lives were flowing. It was great. And then the third quarter happened, and everything went downhill badly. The Clippers continued to be shooting 60% and overall from the floor and 50% from three. Everyone was hitting threes. The Bucks' defense was still a mess. It was offensively. They weren't hitting shots. It was it was disgusting. And Robert Covington became Steph Curry. And that was probably it got to the point where the every time he shot the ball, I mean, the arena's just like, what is going on? Like, we, and at one point, someone did shout like, I'm pretty sure he has not missed a shot this whole game. <laughs> and we looked it up on the box score. And I was like, well, no, he, he is 10 of 12 from the floor. <laughs> he is 10 of 12 from three. So, like, we are doing fine. It was, it was like. Luke Kennard was doing in the first half, and then Robert Covington, and then this coffee guy, like he had 30 points. The Bucs were all over the place defensively. It was just a mess. But, you know, at the end of the day, the tickets were free, so I was not too upset. But I would feel aw- like if someone legitimately spent money and bought tickets for this game, I would want a refund. Two things. One, that's University of Minnesota legend Amir Coffee to you, sir. <laughs> Second of all, I like how you said that the first half was good, but the highlights were still the gold chicken and the twelve dollar Miller lights. That's the kind of that's the kind of game we were watching here. Uh, the the big takeaways are um, Ivica Subach is huge, and he immediately like fouled Surge out, and it was game over from there. That was essentially it. And like, Hartenstein, once, whatever that Hartenstein dude was, he's yeah. also huge. Which once Sandro, once Sandro had to come in, I was like, that's essentially game set match right there. Yeah, I know. I, well, it's just in terms of defending. I mean, it was it was not good for them. Um, the only like literally the only interesting things from this game was Bobby like sort of got into a rhythm, but God only knows whether or not that's sustainable. I thought Javon Carter, he was probably the player of the game. I think he had like eight to ten from the floor. Like yeah, he was good. He was, he was driving good. Through the loop. He, he, he did his usual stuff like stingy defense, and then George Hill was god awful. So this was interesting for the George Hill versus Javon Carter. I don't think it's really that much of a competition depending on whether or not what we're witnessing now is like our playoff rotation. But uh, that was like the one interesting thing that I saw. I was like, oh, Javon Carter had another really good game and George Hill was kind of forgettable a little bit. But yeah, it was one of those games where you can tell not having like George Hill, not really playmaking was hurting Milwaukee because it led to Jordan Wara trying to drive to the hoop and do wraparound passes to Sandro 
and that resulted in a turnover or Lindell Wigginton kind of trying his best and that led to a turnover. Thanasis, that was he had a, that was an interesting game. Like he had a Giannis esque block from the weak side. Like that got the crowd pumped. He in the fourth quarter when it was already garbage time, like he was taking it to the hoop and he I think he got like six straight points like out of nowhere. Good on him. Good on him. <laughs> this is that was a fatal error by Bud. He should have started Thanasis. Like remember Thanasis point guard game last year or whatever. Like if you're gonna throw it, like at least put someone out there. Like don't throw Sergi Bach out there. Like dude is old, doesn't have a back. Don't 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 make him go out. Yeah, there against the three hundred pound dude. Don't <laughs> yeah, have him play. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Have Thanasis guard him. Why not? It's, it might work a little bit better. Well, it just, just made me of... laugh when they just weren't doing that. Like when the Clippers were not just force feeding it to him early on. I was like, okay, Luke Kennard is just gonna like do like shots off the dribble. I was like, okay, sure. I mean, he's making them, but this is not the strategy I would go with if I had to do like Zubac going up against Serge Ibaka. All right, we've already probably spent too much time on this. One Way last thing. Time. One last much. thing. Jordan Wara, 28 points on 16 shots. I, I don't want to look it up, but it might be his most efficient performance ever. I was going to say, he, it didn't uniform. feel like he took that many shots. Right, so that, I, I would like to credit him for that. The Bucks on Sunday played the Dallas Mavericks and lost 112 to 118. Giannis had 28 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. Sorry, I'm laughing. Just the Chris Middleton three of four. It's like three of fourteen, oh eleven points. Not it's like almost on parody. Just like how much the the discourse happened in the way that you would expect after a poor Chris game. So whatever. Chris Chris was three of fourteen. Drew was twenty points. Luka Doncic had thirty two and fifteen. Just like tore the Bucks up. But it was also the role players for them like stepping up. I would say I would say a frustrating game, almost from start to finish, Riley. Uh, yes, indeed. It was when I turned it on, um, it was like halfway through the first, I don't think I saw a single possession where Chris didn't fall over with the ball. Uh, <laughs> he was just having a tough time, like staying on his feet. And to be like, I think they called Dallas for like fouls for it, but it seemed like he just kind of tripped a lot. So it's just, just a weird, like off rhythm night for him. I thought we played idiotically on both ends. I was really displeased with the way, I, I don't know how much credit to give. So this hurts. I hate doing this. Anything with Jason Kidd just, just kills do, me. Don't even do yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, well, we'll skip through it. Well, so <laughs> if if you don't want to listen to this, just <laughs> skip ahead or mute it. The defense for the Mavericks, this gave me like kind of early bucks when he was here as well. Like we're just going to blitz him. Like when they guarded Giannis, they were throwing like three guys at him. They trapped him like in a corner. And this, the Bucks have been notorious. It feels like to me for years where somebody gets doubled or whatever on the wing and literally everybody else just stands there like, okay, he's going to, Drew's going to work his way out of this one. He's going to, he's going to, and it's just like a stupid pass. I'm like, why can somebody run over to give him like even a chance of an easier pass? So I was really not pleased. Or even when Giannis would kind of draw the defense in and pass, it's like nobody can make a three. Like, oh my God, Wes, just shoot the three. Stop pump faking and then driving. That's not what you're here to do. Just shoot three, for God's sake. So displeased by the Bucks with the execution of the offensive end. And then on defense, um, I thought our defensive plan was stupid. Like, uh <laughs> That is put why do, nicely. Why do we have to throw three? We like we're like, we saw what the Mavs are doing. Like, what if we did that for Luca? Except Luca is a much more accomplished passer in like pick and roll situations. Like Wes Matthews would get jammed up trying to like fight and stay in contact on pick and rolls. And then we would have whoever the drop guy is, and then like a third guy would step in to like 
provide more help. I'm like, what are you doing? It was just Doncic like pass, 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 like guys all over the place. It was just bad execution. It was it was probably mainline just really bad execution. I, I don't think there was anything where it was like, oh, they have us figured out. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, I just thought the game plan was a little dumb. And then the execution, whether or not it was by design on defense or it was just like guys doing that usual overhelping. Uh, I don't really know, but the, it was, yeah, it was frustrating from pretty much the start. I, I am going to start and get this out of the way quickly. The rest were absolute garbage. I'm going to say that right now. Get that out of the way, especially the th- foul that Drew got by touching Doncic's head on late in the game, which more or less killed whatever chance the Bucks had. Also, Luca had 14 free throws. The Bucks had 18. That didn't add up. So I'm going to say the rest were piss poor, but that's not the main reason why they lost. It was I, I agree with Riley. It, the first quarter was fine. Granted, the first quarter was the Bucks were hitting a lot of threes. They were eight of sixteen from three, and then the rest <laughs> and that's of the game. and that's how I like it. I like it when the when the Bucks make a bunch of threes. I say that's fine. That's pretty yeah. good. Eight of sixteen from three in the first quarter, and then seven of twenty four the rest <laughs> of the game. So not great. Um, but it was just one of those where Giannis was getting triple teamed down low. Like Giannis would get it down low, and the Mavericks would immediately send like three guys. And Giannis was able to get some of the passes off, but it clearly threw everyone else's rhythm off as well. So it was kind of just one of those where, okay, someone's got to hit a shot. And they were getting, at least in the second quarter, they were getting good looks, and they just weren't falling. It's like, okay, whatever. But it didn't feel like the Bucks tried getting, again, part of this is they weren't getting the calls. So like when they were trying to go down low, it wasn't happening. When they had good looks from three, it wasn't falling. It just felt like no one outside of Drew or... Bobby and I guess Pat Connaughton, like no one, none of them could really get a shot that was able to fall after the first quarter. And that was kind of frustrating. Chris Middleton, I don't know what the hell he was doing last night, but he played like garbage. And I'm going to just say that he played like garbage. Congrats on your nine assists. That doesn't make up for the fact that you were three of 14 for the floor. Um, everyone not named Giannis, Drew, and Bobby were, man, Pat was fine. Giannis wasn't his normal best, but it was also because he had three guys on him at once. Defensively, though, it was the zone drop is not good against a guy like Luca because Luca is got the passing ability. It's the same as Trey Young. Like they have the passing and Lamella ball, they have the passing ability to hurt you. Switching probably would be a little bit better. There were definitely times where Drew would scream at Brooke, like, stop coming up high, like, stay down low. Because if every time Brooke would come up high, Luca would be able to just thread a pass over to Dwight Powell and get, you know, a bucket in the paint, or you can kick it out to Dorian Finney Smith, even though he didn't shoot that well, it was still an open look and kept the ball moving. Um, David Bertans hit a couple three. It was just one of those where because Brooke would come out so far, it then opened everything else. And for a guy like Luca who can make those passes, it's going to hurt you every single time. So that was kind of the frustrating part about it. I don't know what, like it was clear after the first, two, three minutes that Wes Matthews was not going to be that guy and why Bud decided to start him. I don't understand it. I understand that Wes did a good job defensively against the Nets and he did fine enough against the Sixers. But in this game, he was just getting abused and that made sense with his minus 27, which normally I'm not a big plus minus guy, but Wes being the minus 27 made a lot of sense. And he definitely, he stands out amongst the starters as like significantly, <laughs> significantly <Yeah>. worse <laughs> plus minus for sure. It was, 
I mean, and then the the worst part for me was there were a ton of makeable shots to start the fourth quarter that the Bucks were just straight up missing. They had a ton of of bunnies, ton of sort of floater range shots that they could. Yeah, they were made. missing the, the mid rangers. They, they every single one of them fell short for some reason. They're, like the they whole fourth quarter was just like poor, either just unable to get the shots or poor execution with dumb turnovers yep, or dumb decision making. The the defense was interesting to me. I mean, they 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 basically threw the kitchen sink at Luca, right? So they start with the zone drop. Brook is way back. Basically, next possession of the game, they go zone drop. Brook is up basically at the level of the screen. They switch in Bobby. They try to do the hard hedge. Eventually, they go switching. Personally, I would have preferred if they tried some switching earlier. Maybe Doncic just goes in and still breaks down the defense, but maybe that makes him try to be more of a scorer, which I would rather have him do. Uh, is just have him see if he can score forty five or whatever. Maybe he does. He still wins. That that's what I would like to see. But the 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 way I thought the defense just got completely discombobulated is if you watch in the first quarter, Dwight Powell has like ten points, and it's Luca breaking down the zone drop over and over and over. He's bouncing in little wraparound passes, bouncing passes to Dwight Powell down there. So Brooke isn't able to stop him, and he isn't able to stop the pass to Powell. The defender isn't able to recover in time. So then when you watch. Basically, the Bucks feel like, okay, we have to have the weak side defender help in on the lane to prevent the lob to Dwight Powell or the pass to Dwight Powell so he can't score right at the rim. As soon as they do that, you saw all the overhelping start, and then Luka makes the pass over to the guy in the weak side corner. They were 5 of 10 from the quarter in this game. So you see that as soon as that guy starts helping over, you know like the Bucks' defense is toast because when the overhelping starts, the, the rotations just get completely out of whack. And Luca's just able to make all the kinds of passes and break down the defense so easily from that. So I thought, I thought the first quarter really set the Bucks up for failure because they got so nervous about passes to a guy on the inside. And they were, when I looked, they were 15 of 17 at the rim, the Mavericks were, which is crazy. But ultimately, you probably would rather have that than shots from the corner for guys. Like, they didn't shoot that many above the break threes. So I thought all in all, it was really poor execution of what I think they might have wanted to do defensively. Yeah, I mean, and Milwaukee's on more points of the paint, but it was definitely like their points were harder to get than mm-hmm. uh, Dallas, which, again, a guy like Luka, he's going to have these kind of games and you just live with it. You just hope that he did not shoot the ball well. Like he his points look high because he got 11 free throws. It's not like he was really efficient shooting the ball. So kind of like what Adam was saying, if that would have been more the case, that would have been great. But because he was able to just do wraparounds to Dwight Powell or give it over Jalen Brunson seemed that he didn't really shoot the ball well, but Jalen Brunson was definitely hitting timely shots. Uh, Reggie Bullock was another guy that was just seemed to get good looks and he was making them. It was kind of like it got busted the second that screen came up and it was like Milwaukee just could not figure out how to save face on it. It's so funny. Cause like, you'll watch the Mavs on offense. It's like, wow, look at the really like pretty pass in traffic that Luca just did. And then the Bucks will come down to like Wes Matthews on the wing. He'll dribble into three guys and then he'll like at the last second, try to hand it to Giannis and they'll just, it'll fall out of their hands. And that's a turnover. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's levels to this game. So like, you know, even if you throw a great defense at him, he's obviously a super skilled player. It's really hard it's like strange watching because he's so rotund he looks so out of shape and yet he's so good he's definitely uh, a dude so- that like just plays himself into shape like he always yeah. comes into like the beginning of the season and they were saying on the broadcast they're like oh yeah he like struggled to start the years so cool yeah because he probably just like rolled off the ship that whatever he was on in slovenia like he just literally <laughs> rolled out of bed and started playing basketball again it like yeah. did not do any training and yeah. then he gets in shape by midseason it's almost james james harden-esque 
Yeah, I, I just, you know, you wonder if Chris has like a decent game. How I'm, I'm sure it goes a long way just because you need that section option. There's only so much. Uh, Drew is obviously a great scorer, but um, Chris is there to be the offensive like heft guy, essentially. And a bad week for him. There's a reason why the Bucks had to sort of eke out a couple of wins and then lost this one pretty close as well. Uh, Chris had a down week. And if you don't have his offensive heft, um, he's not like targetable on defense, but he's not bringing like plus defense necessarily. So it's like, if you, you have to score, otherwise, what are we going to do? And he still does his like bad passing. Like we'll still go just drew Chris lineups and uh, it'll just be like, okay, Chris is going to handle the ball a lot. I'm like, why are, why are we making this choice? <laughs> Who's making this call that Chris should be the playmaker when Drew is out there. I'm just very confused by it. So um, I, I think a lot of it comes down to just Chris, bad game, bad execution. Um, and hopefully that doesn't happen again. And again, it's okay to say Chris Middleton played like ass. It's okay <laughs> to say it. It doesn't make you a fake Bucks fan. It doesn't mean you're not a real Bucks fan. It is perfectly fine to acknowledge Chris Middleton was a piece of like played like garbage, and it's fine. It is what it is. Like you move on. It's okay. Right, just it doesn't have to be a referendum on his career. Um, right, it's not and, like we yeah. need to ship him off to Utah. Like, no, we don't need to go that far. Like, don't trade him for Rudy Gobert. Just it, it sucked. He didn't play well, and you hope he plays better in the future. Yeah, this this game kind of struck me as like a game one of a playoff series where the Bucks are woefully unprepared for what they're about to face. And <laughs> they didn't look at any film whatsoever, Borher, and they're like, it's just vibes. It's just vibes before we go out there. Which makes uh, sense because Budenholzer, like, we always talk about how is good at, like, after the timeout plays, and yet it's like, okay, so if Budenholzer actually tries to coach, maybe the Bucks can just steamroll teams again. Otherwise, he's just sitting there like, yeah, whatever, it's a Sunday afternoon, and I don't want to be here, and you don't want to be here, just do what you need to. <laughs> I mean, I can't say I blame him. I mean, like that's a it's brunch time. Um, all right, lineup thoughts. Okay, so we 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 teased this at the beginning. We need to talk about the lineup and what has been happening to the lineup this week. So Wes Matthews moved into the starting lineup. Um, I think Riley, you you tweeted some interesting thoughts on this, but I, I feel like I need to go to you first to discuss your feelings about Wes Matthews in the starting lineup. How do you feel about it as a move overall? Talking to me? Yes. Oh, I hate it. Oh my God. It's awful. <laughs> no, and you know what really pisses me off is Mitchell Mitchell promised me this was just a one game one off. He had tweeted about it. He he immediately tweeted back to me. He's like, this is just a one game. Don't worry about he it. Even sent it in the Discord chat. <laughs> so Mitchell, if you're listening to this, I remember that you lied to me. <laughs> um now, like, I can understand conceptually what they're trying to go for, right? It's like, okay, uh, I think what Boonholzer is trying to do these final two weeks, especially this week against good opponents, is like, let's just try and do what in his mind is pr- a probable playoff rotation. Um, I knew, like, all season long that people were a little concerned about Grayson Allen because he's not, like, great on pick-and-roll defense. Um, he doesn't get like lost a lot, but just in terms of like physicality, obviously Wes is a much better player in that regard. I just think you're missing too much. I don't get what the hell he's doing on offense ever. He makes really poor decisions a lot of the time, it seems to me, or like more than he should for being the fifth starter. Like this is not Wes Matthews time. No, this is not Wes Matthews time. This is not Wes Matthews time. Stop pump faking and driving. You're 35 years old. Just shoot the three. Shoot the three. Um, and then on defense, you know, there are times where 
he obviously has the physicality, but what we're trying to replicate is PJ Tucker again. And the difference is PJ was like an undersized power forward, but he was a power forward who could guard up a little bit. Wes doesn't have that same capability. He's a wing who can maybe hold his own against like a thinner forward, like a Kevin Durant. And that's fine. And the physicality is fine, but I just, I don't know. I haven't been like a, huge like really impressed by him his entire time as a buck so that i'm biased as it is but if this is the lineup very interesting that serge Ibaka and javon carter start getting into a bit of rhythm and now they've caught like a bunch of dnps if, if you ignore the clippers game obviously um so if this is who we're going to be running out there it's like essentially the bubble bucks except uh drew is here and maybe that will get us there and Bobby too, but Bobby's kind of taking a step back a little bit as well. So I'm just a little, I get, it's probably just because I'm seeing the same exact guys who were here for the most part when we got trounced in the bubble and I'm not getting good vibes from that. And I don't know why, I know Budenholzer is kind of like trusting these guys are seeing what they have, but we have four games left until the postseason and we need to kind of figure out what we're doing because we have eked out. Maybe just Chris plays better and that solves all problems. That, that might be it, but uh, if we could do something more just in case that doesn't happen that might be preferable so I, I haven't been a huge fan of the lineup changes so far yeah it's it's weird i guess like i think that's like the only way i can put it it's just weird that and i get i get the idea but it just doesn't make sense like why would he tr- test it out in the game in the game against the sixers like what are you using less for like who are you like what is the purpose of it if you're trying to go with, and like I get it to an extent with Luca, put Wes Matthews. He has the size. Luca's. It's not like Luca's this athletic dude that's gonna burn you with the ball in his hand. So, okay, fine. It, but it's it's not working, and I don't know. And granted, is it maybe to give Grayson Allen a little bit more of a chance to potentially because Grayson Allen can do a little bit more. Then West, so in theory, West should just be able should just be fine, like catch and shoot and everything else. And Grayson Allen, like, yeah, he can go and drive to the hoop when he's with the bench unit, maybe. But I like, I get it. I just don't understand why. Why now? I'm I'm I was very caught off guard by it personally that he decided to make the change this late. If I were if I were thinking about it in a way it might make sense. I I mean, realistically, they've been fine defensively, but most of like the pieces that have come out lately are like the Bucks really locked down for the final five minutes of the fourth quarter in each of these games defensively. And then for the rest of it, they're kind of floating. And so I I do think part of the infusion of PJ Tucker to the starting lineup in the playoffs last year, one of the benefits of that is like, okay, this guy can't score for the most part, none of our team is scoring. We need to be crazy defensively from the absolute moment that Brooke tips the ball back to us. So maybe he's trying to think that Wes Matthews can instill that same sort of intensity in the team because I don't think Grayson Allen personally, uh, from a shooting guard position, obviously brings that sort of intensity. Uh, I, I don't know if it's – I don't personally think it's like my favorite move. I also understand where maybe he's like, okay, Wes Matthews, you're going to guard Harden, you're going to guard Doncic, you're going to kind of – spell holiday from having to do that spell Middleton from having to do that. So then maybe they can try and get going offensively and not have to burden themselves too much defensively in the playoffs. Uh, I would, I would personally just rather have them lock in from the outset, even if it means maybe drew isn't that great offensively. Cause I, I kind of think 
I'm just sort of baking in that he's going to become a bit of a pumpkin anyway. So I'd rather just have him go crazy uh, defensively from the outset. So, and then have someone who could maybe get really hot from, from outside in, in Grayson Allen and who could do just a little bit more with the ball in his hands. So I, I can I can kind of try and find some conceptual ideas, but I, I guess I'm I'm a little more in favor of just running with what you've been doing all year because Grayson hasn't gotten really any reps with the Brook Lopez starting That's what group I was either. Say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I guess for me it's just more you've had West for this long. Like, why now did he choose to have him? Like, it's fine if he, if Bud would have experimented with this even a month ago, it would have been fine. But the fact that he's trying to do it, oh, in the last week of the season, it's like, I don't know if this is the best time to try this. Like this, I mean, I guess you're trying to tell us that Wes Matthews is going to be in your postseason rotation, which is, again, bigger concern for me because I don't know what Wes Matthews does that Javon Carter isn't doing better. Well, Matthews brings a bit more size. He's saying it's, it's great, it's but you thing, know yeah. what? That's not like I don't care. Like <laughs> who? Like who are you theoretically putting West Matthews on that Javon Carter can't guard as well at this point? I just wonder, like your whole point, Adam, about like a mentality thing. <laughs> I love the idea of like, okay, we're gonna have Wes out there. Like the whole regular season, we're like, okay, we're gonna push, but don't push too hard, guys. <laughs> don't push too hard. This is this. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And then. The the only reason we went balls to the wall last year was we literally had seven playable guys, and Bob was like, "I have literally no choice. Like it's either, and also I'm gonna get canned if we don't win. So we have to just kind of do whatever." So I do worry a little bit about like, are we back to like? Can I hate this stupid flip switching? I'm glad that hasn't been something we talked about a lot. But is that something where they're like, oh? You know, we can kind of work our way in. Uh, we'll we'll turn it up when we need to, and we like. His bud's brain short circuited now that he has ten guys again. Like, is it is like I'm just very confused. And again, my I'm just I'm just getting serious PTSD now that I think about it. Now I'm getting down, like we're digging deeper. I see George Hill and Wes Matthews out there. I was like, I remember what happened last time. You guys were here. It was it was not good. And we we choked to death out there against one of the most insufferable teams in the entire league. So I guess maybe that's just what I'm worried about. But you're right, like you know, if Wes is out there to like, how much bigger is Wes than Drew? Um, and depending on like what the matchups are, if there's going to be like a primary guy that Wes is going to be like, you're just going to be hounding them. I probably would just rather Drew do it. Now, Wes does uh, a little bit more of like fighting through and maintaining contact on screen. So I do think that is a valuable thing in the like regards to a drop zone that Drew doesn't do. But like generally speaking, Drew's just going to be a plus defender. Like just just put them. They're similar enough size like unless it's this huge miss huge mismatch like just let, let drew do it like chris isn't going to be working on defense anyhow so he should he can save his energy for <laughs> offense as it is they just let him do that well and that's drew what i was thinking to myself as i'm thinking of like eastern conference teams that maybe west would get the tough assignment like i'm thinking okay the sixers it's james harden who's a bomb in Embiid. that's not going to happen boston i guess like with jason tatum and jalen brown like okay but they don't scare me enough that like you drew can, you can put drew on one of them and it's fine. And you can just have Chris Middleton even half asset with Jason Tatum. Cause you know, he's going to shoot Chicago to Marta Rosen. Not worried there. Cleveland doesn't really have anyone. Toronto doesn't like, it's not like it's such a, Oh my God, we need to have Wes Matthews out there. Kind of matchup thing. 
where that, like you said, Riley, Drew Holiday could easily do it. And then you could also have Javon Carter just take the guard. Yeah, I'll be very good. At this point, I'm just going in assuming that Javon Carter and Serge Ibaka are out of the rotation. There's there's no reason for me. So after the Sixers game, Adam went into our chat and said, do you guys think this was like a playoff rotation preview? And I said, "I, I certainly hope not, but I think it is. And in the three games this week that mattered, that kind of bore its way out. Cause I think both Serge and Javon picked up DNPs today. Yep. Um, I just, we went from, and I thought Serge was kind of like getting rhythm. I get like, it's hard to find enough minutes if you want to keep Bobby out there and keep Bobby like, and he's more flexible in terms of stylistically and what he can do on offense. Um, Javon was probably on an unrealistic heater for how long he keep keep it going. He's playing. He's shooting like sixty one percent from three since he came to Milwaukee. Okay, so. and <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Okay, so I do know. you want to do the Javon versus George Hill thing or no? <sighs> I, don't I know. get why Bud would go with George. Like, I at least understand the concept of that. I get why Bud would do it. He want like George Hill can do more playmaking and can be more of a primary ball handler. So I at least get where Bud's going with it, even if it's not totally working. I thought George Hill was fine today. Like, I know a lot of people are ragging on him. I thought it was fine today. I think he was at least effort-wise, like, he was all over the floor. He was making the hustle plays. He just didn't take shots, which whatever. I'm not – it is what it is. Like I, But I at least get why George Hill would get the nod over Javon Carter. That makes and sense j- to me. And Javon Carter, he does get a little, uh, what's the word? Like he, his vision narrows a little bit. The number of times where he gets the ball and then he does like a couple of jerk moves, like, okay, that's a little too much. You can, you can just pass it to Giannis. That's fine. Thanks for that. Um, whereas I think, uh, George is a lot more willing to like look to create for others. Like it's not that Javon won't do it, but he just, he seems more like, okay, I'm going to get the shot up. Um, so that's probably not Bud's favorite either. The one thing I would just, and this will be the ultimate, not the ultimate test, but this will just be a test of Budenholzer. Like, okay, if things aren't working, do you, what's what's going to be your backup card? Because right now it looks like you're going to your plan A, which is fine, a little late in the game to be putting it together. What what does his plan B look like? Because if Wes, if like we're getting lit up and Wes isn't the answer, who, like what does he adjust? That, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just concerned like, about Like did you just go with Grayson Allen and then just let Russ... West sit for the rest of the time like that I think that's his plan B is okay well we'll just go back to Grayson Allen or Pat Connaughton will just play more minutes which that's a fine plan B I actually think that probably might be plan A but I get why you have Pat Connaughton come off the bench I mean it's 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 strange I mean the one thing I would say about Javon Carter he's been awesome I've really liked him and he seems to have found like a nice fit in Milwaukee I mean he also was with Phoenix, I've said this before, he was with Phoenix last year, and who was he with before that? The Nets. The Nets. He was with the Nets and, and Phoenix, like, and he didn't get any minutes in the playoffs, like, I, 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 I get it, I get it's a different team and all that, but, like, that kind of says just a little bit to me about maybe there's something that we don't always see, maybe there's something about him that really, really lends itself to regular season play. It's nothing against him. He's been as good as... Well, I mean, the nuts are closed by Steve Nash. Like, that's why. Like, I can't blame him for that. (laughs) That's true. But, like, if he's in Phoenix, like, you would would think, like, obviously there's a little bit of the backcourt thing there, but... um, I get it's 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 interesting to me because I remember I, I sort of came into this week thinking, you know, everyone's kind of talking. About, we we've talked all year about okay, what happens when Bud sort of whittles it down? Who are we going to trust more than anyone else? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. 
and I was and I was like, well, but we haven't really talked about the fact that like now we we he actually has like a few more options. Like if if one guy isn't working, he might be able to go to someone else. And like that does that. Now that does not Dude, seem to be a good, sucks a good thing. No, yeah. the, what he should do is when when somebody starts sucking, he's like, "Hey, Drew, Chris, and Giannis, we're paying you guys a bajillion dollars. Go out there and win the basketball game." That's what the strategy <laughs> is. And that, so, like, and that's so funny because when we were talking about that exercise, the idea was like, okay, so which of the guys on the bench? Because I was just thought Grayson Allen was going to stay out there. Like now we have to reconfigure and be like, okay, so now does Grayson Allen get nixed and? term like in favor of Pat Connaughton um, and does having so many options again doom us where it's like we'll, we'll wait too long well like okay if we do a lineup change is that what it is I think based off of the experience that the guys had last year between Chris uh, Drew and Giannis even if you know obviously I have no idea how Bud is coaching them but I think they all know it's like look we just have to be the ones that do the heavy lifting they have the experience it worked for them so i'm not as concerned whereas in years past it would be like well we'll kind of pass it around and eric bledsoe was awful so i was like oh we'll see if like any of the bench guys can help out that doesn't seem to be the case with this so maybe just simply that change still folds through where circling like moving the chairs around on the deck it doesn't matter as much but yes it's i guess it's just the timing is strange like why not win um, Grayson got suspended. I know it was like a little while ago, but if they uh, and a game, <laughs> well, like if if the idea was eventually like there was something Boonholzer was seeing, you know, like a month or whatever. I guess that was a while ago. It feels like forever. You're like not that recent because the Bulls fans just won't shut up about it. But like you know, if there's just something Grayson sits for like an injury rest night, have West and then just have him do like a couple weeks, just so we can see what that looks like. Because right now it looks. It feels a little too on the fly, and you know they're not playing all these guys for the games against the Pistons and against the Cavaliers, and that's just not a lot of time together to figure it out. And Brooke like hasn't had a lot of time with a lot of these guys out there. So I don't know. It's just I think, it, and still we won like two of the games against the critical teams that we kind of eked them out. So I don't know. It's just a weird spot for the team right now in general, I guess. Oh, well, you know, hey, we got two great wins. So that's that's really what matters. It was an awesome. <laughs> thank you, Giannis. Yeah. As yep. usual. Thank you, Giannis. <laughs> he rocks. All right. We're going to take a quick break here on the other side of this. We'll do our miscellaneous topics. Final predictions of the season. Then we'll close it out. So stay tuned. All right. We're back. Riley, you've got rapid fire. Go for it. I do. And I think this is really fitting. I was just out walking my dog before this podcast, not even knowing what we we're going to be really talking about on that second segment here. But since we're talking about the bench, I want to ask you guys, do you miss Dante? Yes. Uh, no, I forgot. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> all right. Very good. I'm sure I haven't followed him at all. I'm sure he's fine in Sacramento. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, I went this morning, Sunday morning, I went to Trader Joe's and I was there at 9am when they opened and it was a dream. I loved it. For you guys, average week, what is the day and time of the week that you go do your grocery shopping? So I would say 8pm on like a weekday. Because it's just late enough that people that probably would have went after like dinner have already left, but it's not so late that it's like the stocks are empty. So I'd say 8 p.m. on a weekday. And especially, and here's the, actually the best time is also during a Packer game. 
prime time as well. When I lived in St. Paul during a Viking game, was that's when I always went. It was perfect because no one was there. Wow, that's that's savvy. If I was able to, I would go to the grocery store every day. It's one of my favorite places to go. It's like a five. It's like a five minute walk from my house, so it's like a good reason for me to get out of the house. I can go grab something, and like I don't have a. We have a car here, but we almost never like I almost never use it. So I just walk and I can only carry like two bags worth. So I, I would go almost every day. I like to go if possible, like a Friday noon, use like my lunch break to walk up there and get my stuff for the next week, like plan our dinners. Cause then I can avoid the weekday rush or the weekend rush. There's very few registers. Sometimes there's like a 14 person line waiting to do the four self checkout registers. So I, I like to go during the work day. Um, but, but I still work my allotted, Eight hours. If anyone at um, Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation is listening, screw it. I'm salaried. What are you going to do? Like, so much, like, the longer lodge to go grocery shop. I'm salaried. What are you going to do about it? Uh, Kyle, we can see you on Instagram live at the grocery store. Uh, can you answer your phone, please? I, I've, you know, I always say when I take the dog for a little bit of a longer walk, it's like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a little bit longer. I'm taking the dog for a walk. You can message me. You can message me on Teams. I will see it eventually. All right, we're getting close to the playoffs here. The race in the East is topsy-turvy. It's all over the place. It feels like we're probably going to end up not getting the first seed because the Heat have a pretty easy schedule. But who knows where we're going to end up. Uh, Is there a certain team in the Eastern fold here that you would like to play, not because you think they would be easy to beat, but because they'd be the most satisfying to beat? There's a lot of different narratives. The up-and-coming Celtics. Obviously, we hate uh, the Sixers just by principle. Uh, we have the Nets. We have to teach them a lesson again. Is the Heat? I mean, there's a lot of. Is there anybody in the East that you would have the most satisfaction this time around getting a victory over? I'd say Toronto because that's the one team that they still have. Like they beat the Heat in embarrassing fashion. They beat the Nets in embarrassing fashion for them. The Sixers always seem to choke before he gets a chance, so I'm just going to expect that to happen again. The Bulls are not relevant enough because everyone has seen how much of a fraud they are. Unfinished, and we've already beat, we've already embarrassed the Celtics. I need payback against Toronto. Like Toronto needs to be knocked down a peg, and this is the time. Like it has to be, it has to be Toronto for me. This is this is why Kyle is is has the best soul out of all of us. Is that I, I'm thinking sort of like I want to beat the Nets because I want to you know feel more validation so people can shut up. I want to beat the Sixers because obviously that would make people realize James Harden is a fraud. But Kyle's like looks inside and is like, no. As Bucks fans, the most important thing for us is to beat the Raptors. So no, no, for, that, it's not even that. It's just more. I want more embarrassing beatdowns <laughs> in a series, and we've already ticked all the other teams. Like, I need another one. It's it, kind of like a big game hunter. Like, I've already got the six. <laughs> like, it's already on. Like, I already got the buckhead. I've already got it on the wall. We got. We have the Heat. We have the Nets. We have the Celtics. The Sixers are just going to be the mythical creature that doesn't exist because we'll never get that opportunity. I need. The, I need the Raptors. That one needs to go on the wall. Is by far the biggest risk, biggest reward, because if we do lose yeah. the, to them again, I mean, we have to contract okay, yeah, the that, franchise. I, I got to delete Twitter. I, have to, because, I will delete Twitter for the whole offseason. I will not be on Twitter for the offseason. Was it the same playoff run where you did your sorry Canada impression yes. that we ended up losing? I mean, yeah, that's that, that is was, ultimate. It's personal for you. That, really. That was karma. <laughs> that was I think that was karma. But no, I need I need uh, that. 
Okay, good. Okay, here we go. Uh, would you? Okay, uh, Wait, would Ryan, you rather? You did not pick. Oh, um, psh, man, probably the Nets again. I think it would be really satisfying. Let's put one more. Let's put the final dagger in that super team. Uh, they're they still even to this day the Sixers are right there, but they represent the worst in basketball. Absolutely the worst. Uh, the worst kind of play. Worst kind of attitude about the game. The worst uh, kind of attitude about vaccinations in a pandemic. So everything about it. Let's let's put the final dagger in. Um, okay, uh, would you rather go back in time to meet your ancestors or forward in time to meet your descendants? I'm going. Let's say let's time. let's say a hundred or a hundred back. Hundred hundred. I'll, I'll go forward in time. Yeah, I'd def- be curious yeah. to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, I was thinking how nice it would be like to see what happened with my daughter and my daughter's kids, but now Kyle has given it a really dark bent. So what? I'm it's still- not dark. <laughs> No, no, I was the one, by me laughing. That's what made it dark. It wasn't what Kyle said. Well, I'll still go forward. <laughs> yeah, it would is... be interesting to see what Sterling and Desmond do with their life. It'd be like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I th- okay, I misread it then. Thank yeah. You. Kyle, Kyle just wants to go forward to find out if we beat the Raptors or not. So he, <laughs> so he knows if, we, if this podcast paid off. I just want to go forward and be like, all right, so how many more titles did Giannis win? He's yeah, like exactly. five. I was like, excellent. All right. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, it was good that's, to, good that's to see what I'm you, here kids. For. Uh, what what is good. the uh, travesty? Oh, Lazarus won presidency. Oh fuck! This went down. <laughs> yeah, oh Dante came back for the last title. <laughs> yeah, the last dance, Dante edition. Yeah, I, you're right. You do get all those things. Uh, I think it'd be cool to go check out whatever farm my uh my ancestors in the old country came from so that would be i'd probably in the future would probably wait way too dark for me um i'm already gonna live through it so i don't need to know what happens uh okay see, that's, see, i'm the opposite like i don't want to go to the past and be like wow things were actually not that bad like <laughs> oh, things were things were okay back then and we've just made it worse like oh yeah. the, the climate is totally fine oh, that's, a, <sighs> that's a great concept <laughs> Uh, okay, that's good. Good content. Final question for you guys. Um, have you ever stood in line for a midnight release of something? Um, or even just like a, you have to be there right when the store opens, like a timed release? Yep. I, yeah, I've done that. I've done it twice. The first was for a brand new Pokemon game. And the second was for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Thanks, Emma. That was awful <laughs> which do you know which one that is in the sequence because uh it's my fiance the, was it's how- like the knock it was like the one that's like written as a play script like in the future after the seventh book mm, okay. it, it's garbage that's awful Don't, yeah that's awful my fiance was like oh I've, I've only done this once and that was for like the seventh harry potter movie and she's not a harry potter person and she was like it was very strange i was like yeah, i'm sure it was weird yeah, yeah. adam uh, yeah, a couple times. So Guitar Hero 3, waited in line <laughs> for that to come out. Max Payne 3, GameStop on State Street, shout out. Um, another yes. Assassin's Creed game, waited in yep. line for midnight at that for t- to come out. Oh, Halo 4, I was just thinking about that yet, waited in line for that to come out. Um, don't know why I've only bought physical releases. So yeah, a lot of video game midnight releases in college, I would go to the GameStop on State Street to get that, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure in high school I did that for Diamond and I did that for Diamond and Pearl because I knew I had a first I had the first hour off. So instead of getting the school at seven in the morning, I can get the school at like eight thirty. So I got to sleep in. 
that's that's critical good strategy i think i did also like a video game release i can't even remember what it was though but i didn't i would have to convince my parents to take me somewhere and that was not happening so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't get to do that a lot but um there was a big like watch release this past week between swatch and omega and i've just seen like huge lines in like all their global places for the specific watch that's what kind of jogged my mind about that so. i could not do it now like i could not do a midnight release for any, almost anything well and then these people are like prowling the shops in case they get a shipment and i'm like man this is deranged behavior so that's what i got for uh rapid fire this week those were good those were good thank you riley all right final predictions <laughs> of the year we've got four we have four more games here for the regular season to play uh tuesday at the bulls thursday Home against the Celtics, Friday at Detroit, Sunday at Cleveland. Kyle, what say you? They're going three and one. Um, beat the Bulls because it's the Bulls. They're going to want to have a statement against the Celtics, so they'll win that. And they're going to lose to Detroit because we're going to have a repeat of the Clippers game where no one's going to play, and it's going to just be awful, and then they'll beat Cleveland because I think Cleveland will also... Actually, yeah, no, Cleveland, Cleveland I think, will probably rest their stars i think they'll be in a decent enough position where they won't be in the playoff game by then or the play-in game so i'm saying three and one uh, i'm gonna say two and two agree that we'll beat the bulls and the celtics um i think celtics will be the last time we'll see all the starters and then we're gonna get we're gonna hit that kyle's over on the jordan war starts for the rest of the year in those detroit and cleveland games uh so two and two this week I'm gonna go three and one. I liked I liked how Kyle was laying it out. I think the loss at Detroit's we should we should bake that in. So, all right, well, that'll do it for this week. A good week of Bucks games. Uh, lots of lots of discussion after it, but a great week. Kudos to Giannis. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great video on the Bucks Twitter account. I think it's pinned to the top of it about Giannis becoming the all-time scoring leader. It's just all, I, literally you just th- show him on draft night and then show him today and put some music over it and it's always really, really good. So check that out. Go to brewhoop.com. We've got all of our usual coverage. You've got Riley's piece on Giannis. You've got the Monday morning media roundup. Uh, I'm done with Wednesday wrap-ups for the year. We'll have an extended forecast. We'll have a advanced progress report. So go to brewhoop.com, share the podcast with your friends, and we will talk to you again soon. 